All right, ladies, welcome. Erev Shabbat, and we're studying today Parashat Ba'et Hanan. These are summer parashiyot, but they're loaded. And uh, usually we don't hear too much on these parashiyot, only because a lot of the rabbis now enjoy their vacations of the break. Well-deserved. But unfortunately, the, uh, the one that suffers the most is the parashiyot, because the rabbis are not here to give us elucidation on the summer parashiyot. So, as you know, I'm here to take care of that. I'm spending my vacation studying parashat ba'et Hanan. No better way to do it. <coughs> and uh, it's loaded, the parashat, as I said. The challenge in Parashat Beit Hanan is to choose what to speak about. You have Moshe Rabbeinu's 515 prayers, which is a talk in itself. You have the Ten Commandments, that's a talk in itself. But you also have Kiryat Shema. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. And the first Parashah, which is the Parashah of Ve'ahavtat Hashem Elohecha. I thought that that would be most appropriate to talk about only because it's something that we do every single day. So not only do we find it in the homage, but we find it in the Sidur. And therefore, whenever we can learn something that's applicable and appropriate, we have to take advantage of that. And according to the Arizal, you have to say the Shema no less than four times a day. I mean, if you're a man, that is. We say it in the morning before we pray, and then we say it during the prayers, and then we say it in Arbit, then we say it again before we go to sleep. So it's four times. Okay, a lady doesn't have to say it four times. You can say it once or twice is enough, but we say the Shema every day. So I want to focus on, number one, if you have homash in front of you, Perek Vav Pasuk He. Et Adonai Eloecha. Bechol Levavecha, Ubchol Nafshecha, Ubchol Meodecha. That's it, that's the whole class. You don't have to know more than that. Be'avtat Hashem. So you have to love Hashem. How much do you have to love Hashem? So the Pasuk tells us in three ways. Bechol Levavecha, which to me sounds plural. Levavecha. I'm not a, a biologist or a doctor, but I was told that we have one heart. That's what they said. Over here it says plural, levavecha. The way it should say is bechol libecha. Levavecha is double. So the Mefarshim say that there's two parts of the heart. There's the right ventricle and there's the left ventricle. And in those two parts of the heart rest the Yetzirah Tov and the Yetzirah Ra. And therefore you have to love God using both Yitzharim. Love God with the Yitzharat Tov, which is one part of the heart, and love God with the Yitzharat Now, of course, I know how to love God with the Yitzharat Tov. Use my good inclination to do mitzvot. How do you love God with the Yitzharat The answer is you subjugate it. You control it. So if I could serve God by using my Yitzharat Tov to do good, and by subjugating my Yitzharat from doing bad. Sur merav asetov. That's Bechol Nebavecha. Ubchol Nafshecha, what does that mean, Ubchol Nafshecha? So Rashi says, Afiduhun Notelet Nafshecha. Wow. You have to love God so much that you have to be willing to sacrifice your life for God. That even if it comes to that uh, uh, extent, where they say, your religion or your God, your religion or your life, your God or your life, we shouldn't be tested. But at that moment, we say every day, You have to be willing to give up your, your life for the God that you love. Okay, ladies, explain. What is Bechol Me'odecha? So Rashi says simply, Bechol Mamonecha. It's all your money. We have to be willing to spend our money for the mitzvot. And we have to be willing to spend all of our money not to transgress a mitzvah. 
Just like we have to be willing to give up our life for God, we have to be willing to give up our money for God. Some people, they don't mind giving up their life, but they don't want to give up their money. To them, the money is more important than their life. So for those guys, the Torah has to say, even if you're willing to give up your life, because you don't care about your life, but your money is more important, I know, I know some guys like that. The Torah is coming to say, you have to be willing to give up what's most important to you. If your life is most important to you, then give up your life for God. And if your money is most important to you, then give up even your money. That's the simple explanation of the Pesukim. And I'm asking a simple question. It seems like this is a very high level. <laughs> I mean, you're asking me to give up my life for God, give all my money up for God. Uh, we're regular people over here. I don't think it's natural that a person that wants to die, and nor does a person want to give up all his uh, assets, not to transgress the sin. But the Torah is saying you have to do it. So, what I think we must say is that unless we have what's called an inheritance from our ancestors. Now I'm going to talk a little about genes for a minute. You know that there's dominant genes and there's recessive genes? Uh, the genes that your parents have will come out in the children. So if you had a, a great-great-grandmother that had red hair, almost so you see hey, the grandchild three generations later came out with red hair. Where did this guy come from? Oh, your great-grandmother had red hair. There's a gene over there. It comes out. It has to come out. Eventually it's going to come out. Whatever is in the genome, the chromosomes will come out in the children. That's a fact. What you don't know is that we also have what's called spiritual genes. You didn't know that. Now the spiritual genes were created by Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. They're our original fathers, the Avot and the Imahot, no disrespect, and the Avot, whenever they did something that was a great spiritual accomplishment, it created a certain chromosome in their DNA, and as a result, being their children, which is us, we benefit their, their greatness. You ever hear what's called Zechut Avot? Zechut Avot means the merit of the fathers. But I think Rabbi Desla says, don't read it Zechut Avot, but read it Zakut Avot. Zakut means Zach, Shemin Zayit Zach, the purity of the fathers, which means we inherited their goodness. If Abraham was great, guess what? We also have it inside of us to be great, like Abraham. Now we know that Abraham's faith was unadulterated, was un, un, unquestioning. How do we know? God says, Regarding Abraham, it says his heart was, was pure. And therefore, Abraham was able to subjugate his entirety to God. And therefore we say, If you're going to question, how am I can serve God? You come from Abraham Abinu. And Abraham Abinu, it says, that So you can do it. And if you're going to tell me, give up my life for God, well, one of the Avot was willing to do that. And who was that? Yitzhak Avinu. Yitzhak Avinu had no problem to go on the Mizbeach and have his father put a knife to him, and he was willing to be Moshe Nefesh. Therefore, when we say, we can do it. It's Hak. And you remember Yaakov Abinu Shalom, before he went on his journey to go to work for his father-in-law, what did he tell God? Whatever God you're going to give me, I will give it back to you 20%. Yaakov Abinu made a lot of money, but he was very generous to give it back to God. Now you only think he gave 20%, but he gave much more. When Esav came along and... Uh, was negotiating with Yaakov about the Ma'arat HaMachpelah. So Yaakov wanted to buy Esav's uh, portion. So Esav tells him, uh, I'll sell it to you. How much are you willing to pay? Yaakov Abinu Arshav took all the money that he made in the 22 years, all in. He gave it to him. He gave him everything. 
in order to buy the Ma'arat al-Makhbilah Esab's Haylik. So what do you see? When it came to money, Yaakov Abinu had no connection to it. He used all his money to serve for the Ma'asir, for the Siddaqah, and for the Ma'arat. So therefore it says, Al-Khul that's connected who? Connected Yaakov. So it's a new way of learning. When you say the Kiryat Shem on the morning, you have Kabana. After the Shem Elohecha, Bechol Levavicha, Keneged Avraham. Ubchol Nafshecha, Keneged Yitzhab. Ubchol Meodecha, Keneged Yaakov. Now, how are you going to remember this? So the Ba'alatunim gives us a way to remember it. If you take the word Ve'ahabta, and you boggle the letters around, Ve'ahabta means to love. The letters Ve'ahabta also spell the same exact word as Ha'avot. Ha'avot. That's Ba'alatunim says. And therefore Ve'ahabta, how am I going to come to love God on this level? Switch the word around. Ha'avot. You come from Avot. You come from Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. And therefore, it should be easier for us to serve God. Okay, I didn't come to tell you this. This is just an introduction, just to make it, uh, make it sweet so you understand what we're saying. My real question today is the following. In next week's parasha, in Parashat uh, Ekev, correct? Thank you. It also mentions Kiryat Shema. Which part of Kiryat Shema? The second Parasha. Behayayim Shemawa. Interesting. I don't know why you couldn't put it all in one Parasha, by the way. I mean, if I'm writing the, the Parashat, in my Sidur, I don't have Parashat Be'avta on page 50 and Behayayim page 82. I have it back to back. But in the Torah, for some reason, I guess Parashat is so big, they said, we, we can't do it. We can't. The poor people, they're going to be in shul so long, they have to go home and eat breakfast. You know what? Stay tuned, Abotai. Kiryat Shema to be continued. What's going on? To be continued. You couldn't put it in one Parashat? Now, by the way, Parashat Vayomer, which is the third Parashat, is actually in a different place. So they, for some reason, they decided to put all three parashiot of Kiryat Shema, they sprinkled it throughout the Sefer Torah. If I was doing it, I probably put it, would have put it in one place. But again, I'm not the author. So then we have to ask the question, why is it in two places? To me, it's a very strong question. I, I bet most people in, in the shul, the Shabbat, when they're going to hear the Hazan read Parashat Bahavta, and they're going to get to the end. Now the next word is Vehaya. So they're going to think, oh yeah, Vehaya Shamoa. But it's not Vehaya Kibiyacha. And most people will look up and say, whoa, what are you doing? I made a mistake. No, you didn't make a mistake. Vehaya Shamoa is not in it. This is a new parasha called Vehaya Kibiyacha. Nothing to do. Where's Vehaya Shamoa? The Sefer Torah is Pasul. It's not Pasul. You're Pasul. Come back next week to shul and you hear Bayaim Shamawa. And I'm asking a simple question. Why? I'd like to ask another question. They give it to us by small doses. Uh, small doses, you're saying. <laughs> small doses. So may I ask the, the, the Rabbanit a question? If you're asking small doses, so why when it came to the Ten Commandments, you gave me all ten? No, give me small doses. Give me three this week. And then three next week. Give me four the week after. No, that, no, that, no. Why no? No, because no. Because you said? What do you mean? What do you mean? Because you said? No, no, no. You, can't, you have to answer a question. I accept your answer. But I'm asking you a question back. Doses? I accept small doses. To do the Ten Commandments in small doses. No, that's different. Okay, why is it different? Because you said so. Okay, I can't answer that. So now, I notice there are major differences between the two parashiyot. Parashat Behaftan, Behayayim Shamoa are very, very different. Some of the differences that I noticed in Parashat Behaftan, there's no mention of anything that's connected to materialism or physicality or alamazeh. No mention. You should love God, teach your children Torah, 
ושנתם לבניך, וכשאתם נאות על ידיך, פטפילין על יאם, על יהד, וכתבתם המזוזות בטח, בשערך it's all spiritual stuff. You get the בעיין שמוה, there already you start to see physical. What does it say in בעיה? And באספתא דגניך, you will go into the fields, and you will take your wheat. ותירושך ויסהרך, and you will take the grapes, and you will take the oil. ונתתי עשב בשדך לבנתך, you'll have animals, and I'll give you grass for your animals. And guess what? If you have a field, you need rain. Don't worry. I will give you the rain in its time. יורא ומלכוש. It's all talking about physical stuff. Not only that, but the Pasuk comes along and says at the end, you live on life, you'll have beracha. Well, if I had to make a, 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 a thesis, I would say, but Ashat Avta sounds like at a very high level, oh, spiritual, no connection to Olam Azeh, and then all of a sudden you get to Behaya, and I'm in the farm. Also, I'm in the farm with the animals, with the rain, with all this stuff. How'd you get to the farm? It sounds like in Be'avta, I was in Olam Abba. And then also I crashed. Elevator going down. What do you mean? I'm in Olam Abba. Where are you taking me? Now you're going to go to the animals. Now, don't forget your umbrella. It's going to rain now. And there's going to be all physical stuff. What's the connection? Why is the Perashiyot so different? Furthermore, and this is the biggest question that every rabbi asks. In the first parasha of Kiryat Shema, it says, Remember we learned Me'odecha? You have to serve God with all your, all your money. In the second parasha, it says, V'ayayim Shamawa. You will serve God. It doesn't say, Where's Me'odechem? I mean, you just told me in the first parasha, you have to serve God three ways. Abraham, Isaac, Yaakov. No problem. Now you get to the second parasha. Oh, we said it already? I gave it already in the first parasha. So he gave his life also. He's dead in the first parasha. I don't have a problem. If you have answers, I accept answers. But if you're going to answer, I have to answer you back. Don't, uh, it's not a one-way street over here. I cannot just get attacked and don't expect me to answer. So, yes. We will see now uh, a proper path. I'd like to present to you <clears throat> an understanding that I saw brought down from a great rabbi called Novominsky Rabbi. Novominsky Rabbi, don't try to spell it. <laughs> it was the Gaon, Rabbi Yaakov Perlau, Shalom. he died during COVID. He was the head of the Mu'esit, Tamidah Chamim, Aguda Israel, he was a great rabbi. And he passed away suddenly, it, wasn't, it was very quick. So he wrote a, a sefer called Adat Yaakov, and in the introduction to that sefer, he has a piece on Kiryat Shema. And he says, yes, there's definitely distinctions between the first parasha and the second parasha. And you know what the distinctions are? When the parasha was given. Listen closely. When was Parashat Ve'ahavta delivered to us? In Parashat Ve'et Hanan. What happened right before Parashat Ve'et Hanan? We received the Ten Commandments, we received the Torah. On the day that we received the Torah, we were on the highest spiritual level possible. The Gemara says we reached the level of Adam Rishon 
before the sin. In Parashat Hanan, at the time of the giving of the Torah, the Jewish people were in this world, but they were not in this world. They were living on such a high madriga that nothing of this world meant to them except one thing. And therefore, to tell those people, animals, rain, leave us alone, we don't care about the reward. The, we're living in the reward. We're living in Gan already. Adam and Rishon before the sin. Where was Adam and Rishon before the sin? Gan The Jewish people on a high spiritual level, Moshe didn't need to entice them. Moshe didn't need to uh, 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 convince them, if you do this, you'll get this. We don't need anything. The learning is our reward. The mitzvot is our biggest reward. The spiritual ecstasy is the biggest reward. The fact that we can connect to Hashem, we don't need anything else. And therefore, there's no mention of Gashmiyut, and there's no mention of reward. And that's why in the first perashah, it says, Bechol me'odecha. You have to serve God to give up all your money. But it's easy, of course. In that generation, it was easy to give up all your money. What's money corresponding to the, 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 the spiritual level of mitzvot? So in that level, Moshe Rabbeinu could tell them, Bechol me'odecha. Give up your money. And you know what the people told them? Imagine if you come to our congregation. Give up all your money. Hey, you give up your money. Don't put your hand in my pocket. If the rabbi would get up and say, give all your money to charity. <laughs> Tell the rabbi, what kind of business is over here? When Moshe Rabbeinu got up and told the people, you have to willing to give up your life. You have to willing to give all your money. They said, of course. What are you telling us? Of course. <laughs> There's nothing more important. However, where is Parashat Vehaya given in next week's Parashat? I, I know you didn't read next week's perashah, but I read ahead. You know what happens in next week's perashah? Heta Egel. Oh, you know what happened to Heta Egel? Crashed. We went from the highest level, now we fell to the lowest. And right after Heta Egel, what does the Pasuk say? Vehaya im shamoah. Now it's a different world. Now you can't tell the people that fell to low levels after the sin of the golden calf, Yes, spirituality, they became, they became physical. Now you need to talk about the animals. Now you need to talk about the grass. Now you need to talk about the rain. Now you need to talk about the grains and the, all the other material items. And now you need to tell them, and if you do the mitzvot, you're going to get reward. The difference between the parashiyot, says the Nomenskarevi, is connected to the fact when they were given... And therefore, they have to be in two parashiyot. Parashat v'etchanan is after matan Torah, pre-cheta egel. That's ve'avtah. Ve'ayam shamoah is next week. That's already after cheta. And that's why the two contents of the parashiyot are totally different. Because you're talking to two different people. It's not the same nation. There's the nation that's... <laughs> Now, what do we know when they got to Matan Torah? When they got to Matan Torah, how many people came to Matan Torah? I'm not asking for exact number. I mean, rough, rough number. 600,000 men between the ages of 20 and 60, but that doesn't include ladies and children and men younger than 20 and older than 60. The Hakamim tell us it was about 3 million people. That's a lot of people. Three million people. I don't think we ever saw three million people at one, uh, one event. Even you go to, to, to Siyum Ashas. Okay, 90,000 people. Not three million people. That was probably one of the biggest events ever. When the Torah comes along and says that the people came to the mountain, what does it say? Vayiham. Vayiham. I'll explain to you. And he camped. He camped at the mountain. No, that's not correct. It should say they camped. And what does Rashi tell us famously? Ki'ishahad. What does it mean, Ki'ishahad? They were like one. Now, with all due respect, ladies, how could three million people be like one? In their attitude. That means there was such unity at Matan Torah, there was no pushing, there was no rivalry, there was no jealousy. They were on such a spiritual level, the three million became one collective soul. It was one. Imagine you have one person that's big like three million people with one heart. 
That was B'nai Yisrael, Matan Torah. The unity was so strong, you cannot find even a, 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 a fracture, a hairline fracture of, of conflict. That's why the Pasuk says, Bayiham. So he said, three million, but the three million were how many in principle? One. <laughs> this is the best time in history. What happened after Chetai again? Forget about it. Now the nation became so divisive. I mean, you can't believe what happened. We, we unraveled so quickly. First of all, the Erev Rav started to do the Egev. And some of the people started to do the Egev. Then Moshe Rabbeinu came down and told Shebet Levi, go kill the people who were doing it. So they had a civil war breakout. And now the people were fighting with each other. They were killing each other. They were... Moshe Rabbeinu says, who is to God? Come to me. Only one tribe came. Shebet Levi, was everybody else? No, Shebet Levi is here. Everybody... Now all of a sudden you start to see what? Division. Now B'nai Yisrael went from one to becoming many. Now we understand very good. Perashat Ahavta was given when? At Matan Torah. That's why look at the tense or look at the, the grammatically the whole perasha of Ahavta is written in the singular. Ve'ahavta. Don't say ve'ahavtem. Ve'ahavta is talking to who? You, you love. Bechol levavecha, with all your heart. Bechol nafshecha, with all your soul. Bechol me'odecha. Vishinantam lebanecha. Ukshartam le'ot al yadecha. Ukhtaptam al-mezuzot petecha. All parashat ve'ahavta is written in the singular form. Why? Because B'nai Yisrael at the time that this parasha was given was a singular nation, it was one unit. After Chet Ha'egel, V'haya im shamawa tishme'u. Now already we went from singular to, to plural. Ukshartem otam le'ot al yedchem v'hayu le'totafot ben enechem the whole vehaya is written in the plural. And ask yourself a question, what happened? Why are we going from singular to plural? <laughs> because you have to know the context of when the parasha was given. By the time parasha Bayah was given, Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't talking to one person. Because the nation was not one anymore, it was not cohesive, it was not uh, 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 considered one entity. By the time Bayah comes around, he's talking to three million people. The people lost that oneness. They lost that unity or that camaraderie or that, 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 that bindness that they had. And therefore, it's Bayah in Shemoah Tishme'u. You hear what's going on? The way he answers this question, so many questions, and we have one answer. The one answer is, you have to know the context of when this was delivered. And if you could not put these two back to back to each other in, in the Humash, they happened historically at, at different times. And therefore you need to put Ve'avta where it belongs and Ba'ya where it belongs. Okay, that answers the Humash. <laughs> but it doesn't answer the Sidur. That's a good answer for the homage, by the way. Yeah. Only problem is when I opened my Sidur, I got Ve'avta and Ve'aya back to back. It doesn't say in my Sidur, after Ve'avta, come back in 20 minutes, and uh, you know, go take a walk around the block, go get a coffee, go to Starbucks, get a coffee, and come back and continue Ve'aya. Go, go worship the Egev, then come back and read Ve'aya. But I've done. Go, answer, go take out your cell phone, answer a few texts, worship the Egil, go answer a few emails, go watch a movie on YouTube, and then after you did the Egil, come back and read Vaya. Doesn't say that in my Sidur. So now what? How are we going to explain it? Now we're in trouble. Because we, 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 we put ourselves in a box over here. We built the box, now we got to escape. So I want to present to you a very important piece from the great rabbi of Chaim Velazhin. Uh, to me, this is uh, very, very important, hashkafically. Uh, There's a big discussion in the Gemara. It's a Gemara in Berachot. 
the Gemara is discussing over here, and it comes up in our community all day long. What is the proper uh, career path that a boy or a man should take in his life? So, the rabbis are giving their opinion what a young man should do after high school. So, Rabbi Ishmael comes along and says, person needs to learn Torah, of course, but you need also to have a job and go make some money, make a parnasah. You have to support a wife, you have to support the children, you have to pay bills, as we know. And then Rabbi Ishmael is very clear when he says uh, the proper approach is Everybody agrees you have to learn. The question is, are you allowed to work? You ever hear, some of the ladies here when their children are going out and they want to marry off their daughter, say, he wants a working boy. And then the person says, a working boy? Hasbe Shalom, is a working boy? What is this working boy? And no, the Rebishman says, yes, that's what you're supposed to do. So you shouldn't fall off your chair when you say he wants, she wants a working boy. The beach press says that's what, that's what it's supposed to be. Boy learns Torah in the morning, learns Torah in the afternoon, at night. He goes to work in the afternoon, makes a panasah, and uh, finish. That's the way. That's the Bishma. The Bishma says, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai comes along, and he says, I don't know what you're talking about. He says, the Pasuk says, Ve'agita bo yoman ve'layla. The Pazu says you have to study Torah day and night. So how are you going to come along and now tell me that you're going to go to work? How are you going to do Vagita Boyamavadada? How can you study Torah 24 hours a day if you have to go to work? So the Bishmael asked him, but it says in Kiryat Shema, you'll go into the field and you'll collect your grain. So that's talking about a Jewish guy, he's working. He said, no. That's, that guy's making a mistake. Really? If a person learns Torah, Shimon Ben Yohai says, will bring him Panasah, he'll be taken care of, you don't have to worry. And therefore he says, learn. <laughs> amazing. Uh, to me, it's an amazing ma'aloka. So now the real question is, who's the halakha like? Is the halak Rabbi Ishmael? Is a working boy the right path? Or is learning boy the right path? It seems that we have a big ma'lok between two of the great rabbis and they're at odds with each other. One rabbi is saying, work and learn, be a hybrid. And the other rabbi says, no, 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 Rabbi Ishmael says learn. What's going to be with the Torah? But it's going to be uh, working all day long. Who's going to study Torah? Who's going to be the rabbis? Who's going to... So the question is, what's the right approach? Ladies, answer like a rabbi. It depends. But you didn't say it correct. You have to wave your hand like this. It depends. It depends. You go like this. It depends. And that's the right answer. There's no right answer ever. It always depends. Both approaches are correct. That's the way the halakha comes out. Both are correct. The approach of a boy that wants to work and learn, 100% justified, he's in the right, nobody can make him feel guilty or bad. Bishmael said, that's the right way. But on the other hand, if you have a boy that wants to study Torah all day long and maybe has to be supported by others, he's saying, listen, I want to make one thing clear. There's no opinion that says that you're allowed to be a workaholic and not learn at all. So that boy has nothing to rely on. So if a boy comes and says, I'm not a black cat, I don't learn Torah, leave me alone. I sit, I go to work at 7 o'clock in the morning, I come home at 10 o'clock at night, I support my family. Hey, hey, come here, come here, come here. Come here. When do you learn? Hey, I told you I don't learn. I leave the learning for those guys in the kolel. I am a worker. But who are you relying on? We have two shiktote. We have Rabbi Shemayel and we have Rabbi Shemayel. 
There's no opinion that says that you could just work all day long without learning at all. You understand that? That one is in contempt. But everybody else, if a boy comes to me and says, Rabbi, I go to the shul in the morning, I learn the daf yomi with the rabbi, I go to work, and I come back at night for an hour. I congratulate you. You are from the yeshiva of Rabbi Ishmael. And if another guy comes from the kolel, with all the books under his arm and all that over there, the way, where are you going? It's, 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 it's 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to go to learn. Don't you go to work? I don't go to work. That's my work. I learn. I, I sit in the laboratory all day long, and I study these texts. I tell him, you have a rabbi with to rely on. Both of them. However, the Gemara says, this is the postscript. Many students followed the approach of Rabbi Ishmael, and they succeeded. And many tried the approach of Rabbi Shimon and they were unsuccessful. Which seems to me that Gemara is saying that although Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's approach is legitimate, it's not for everybody. And that's why a lot of people tried it and they weren't able to do it. I know some of my friends when we graduated high school. We all started on the same path. We went to yeshiva. But yeshiva is, it's, it's, it's rigorous to sit in front of a book for 10 hours a day. Imagine just learning. Brain work is very hard work. There's no interruption. You get up, you get a coffee, you come back, you're reading Aramaic, and your brain has to figure out these contradictions and answering questions. Some people say, I, I, can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do it, I can't study. And then what? You, you work your brain for 10 hours a day for a month, and then the rabbi comes to pay you. He so we're coming to pay you. Here's $500. $500? <laughs> the maid gets paid more than $500. Over here. I'm learning all day long. You pay me less than the maid. Uh, so that, that's what the call that we give you. Well, how am I going to live? <laughs> you have to be willing to... Uh... When I got married, I was dating my wife. My father, Noah Shalom, called me into the room and it was getting serious. He said, are you going to support my daughter? At the time I was working for Ayezid at the time, they paid me $500 a month. I thought I was a rich man. I didn't have any expenses. I'm learning to get I didn't know how to spend $500 then. I didn't know what to do with it. So I was so naive. I tell my father-in-law, I make $500 a month. He fell off the couch. <laughs> he looked at his daughter. He said, son, you're going to marry this guy? He doesn't, have, he doesn't even know. He doesn't even have a dollar in his pocket. $500 a month. And he's happy. He doesn't, he's not complaining. I didn't ask him for anything. I said, I'm not asking for anything. I'm happy. Now, which means what? It's not for everybody. Not everybody's willing to give up uh, to live on a small salary, uh, for sure in the beginning, uh, not to establish a business, not to establish, you can't buy everything you want if you're in that world. You can't go wherever you want. You don't have the same. There's a sacrifice. You have to be willing to sacrifice a lot of the materialism and the luxury of this world to do such a thing. That's why it's not for everybody. Especially a person comes home if his wife is not on the same page as him. He's learning to another comes home and she comes along and says, I want to go now to, uh, to some exotic place. I can't even take it for a pizza. You want to go to an exotic place? The exotic place is Jerusalem pizza. Two slices and a, and a french fries. That's, a, that's as exotic as it's going to get. Where do you want to go? I want to go to uh, the Fiji Islands. Fiji, you married the wrong guy? Fiji Islands, try the Fiji Islands. He doesn't have money to go to Connecticut. He's going to go to the Fiji Islands. The point is, but it, it takes a sacrifice. You have to have a wife also that's willing to be Mosidit Nefesh. You have to be willing to give up from this world. We joke in the yeshiva. When we were in the kole, you could right away tell all the guys' cars that are in the kole. They have the dents on them, and they're busted up, and you hear a muffler from three, three, mile, three miles away, and they're, they're chugging along. What do you think? This guy's going to rent a new car, a shroof guy riding around in a convertible car. They don't have that money. Nor do they care for that. Nor do they care for that. It's two things. First of all, they don't have the 
asset maybe or the, or the, or the wherewithal, and, but they don't care about that. They're doing something that's more, more elevated. So that's what the Gemara says. Most people will fit into the Bishmael's school and the minority, the Bishmael. Not everybody. Now, if you look at our community, by the way, I think it's, 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 it's falling into place. The majority of our kids, they go to work. And then you have the exceptional, maybe one out of 10 or one out of 100, whatever, I don't know the numbers are, and they join the Kolel. Now I want to tell you something. You can't go along now and say, hey, these guys, who, who are they? Who's supporting them? Rabbi Shemobar Yuhai said, they're allowed to learn and they can put their faith in God and the community will take care of them. Now there's some people that come along and say, but we follow Achamavadya. What does Achamavadya say? Because we're Sfaradim. We want to know what Achamavadya says about these guys that are learning all day long. So for those people, you're right, you should know what the rabbi says. I brought you his opinion here. It's brought in the Sefer called Halichot Olam. It's in chapter, it's in, in volume 8, on page 348. He says, Hamura, conclusion. If a person, a boy has an option to learn all day long or to learn and work, but they see that he has potential, this boy. He has a good head. He says, but if he's going to go to learn, he has to receive the support from a supporter or from the kolel yoter ma'ashel asuk melacha o b'shora kamashaot he says it's more befitting to do that he says ve'af imam maskoret makolel ze'uma even though it's a meager salary from the kolel umaspikalo bedohak and he only gets by kevarifteihu hazal the rabbis promised us Whoever fulfills the Torah from poverty, one day will fulfill the Torah from wealth. And therefore, you don't have to worry. It's... Study Torah. He has to say that. He himself did it. <laughs> He's going to do something that's as soon as What did Hakam do? He went to work? Hakam when he was young, he was in Purat Yosef. His father had a store. The father needed him in the store. So he left Purat Yosef and he went to work for his father. Kamazratiya came into the yeshiva one day. He says, Where's Ovadiyah Yosef? Then he went to work. He went to work. He says, He's the next Gadolador. This man over is going to be the light of the generation. What is he selling cucumbers now? Kamazratiya went to the store. He tells Akhamavadiyah's father, Where's Ovadiyah? He says, He's here. Meanwhile, he was in the corner reading a book in the store. He wasn't even working. So anyway, Kamazratiya took off his Jalabiyya. And he told the father, give me, I'll work for you. Give me the apron. I'll work for you. This is Rosh Hashivat Purat Yosef. Let him, let him go back to study Torah. When his father saw that, he said, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to work. I'll work for you. No problem. He goes back. Go back. Go back to Yeshiva. And Achamah fulfilled the Torah out of poverty. And then look at the end of his life. He became chief rabbi. All the books, all the Torah. He had a, he had a majesty. He had a kingdom at the end of his life. But he didn't, he didn't study Torah when he had the Beracha. He studied Torah without anything. The great Siddiquim are willing to give up. But it's not for everybody. Now we go back to the Sidur. Go back to the Sidur and you read the first Perasha of Kiryat Shema. We notice in the first Perasha of Kiryat Shema, it's said in singular. It's talking to the individual. Also, we see in Kriyat Shema, the first parasha, it says, Bechol Me'odecha. And it has no mention of going to work. No mention of materialism. It says, Rav Chaim because the first parasha of Kriyat Shema is talking to that unique individual that follows the opinion of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, that loves God and has a passion and is willing to serve God, not only with his both inclinations, not only is he willing to give up his life for God, but he's willing to give up even his money. 
even if he's not going to be able to go to work, and even if he's not going to be able to make panasah like all his friends, and even if he cannot vacation like him, even if he cannot have a car, even if he cannot have a house, he's willing to make the ultimate sacrifice of bechol me'odecha. The Torah says, Baruch Abba, you are parashat ve'avta. Ve'avta is the parashat of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And that's why no mention of asafta de ganecha, no mention of collecting grain. He doesn't collect, he doesn't work on a farm. He don't care if it rains or it doesn't rain. He's in the kolel anyway, it doesn't matter. And therefore there's no mention of anything but love of God through the study of Torah. Vishinantam lebanecha. The Gemara says lebanecha is referring to the students. The students are talking to the hachamim. You understand? Parashat Yishunav Kriyach was talking to who? The scholars. The one in a thousand, or the one in a hundred. The singular individual that's willing to make the ultimate sacrifice. You understand how we're learning? I brought a proof to this. How do I know the first chapter is talking about Tamidi Hachamim? You ever hear of this theory that's brought out in the Gemara that anytime there's an et in the Torah, et, the word et, Aleph Taf, it's coming to include something? The word et is an auxiliary word. But whenever there's an et, it's coming to, coming to say something more. Et le rabot. As a matter of fact, there's a pasuk in this week's perasha. It says, et Hashem en tira. Et, you should fear God. And you know what the Gemara says, what the et is coming to include? Et Hashem en tira. You have to fear God. Et le rabot tamidi hachamim. The et comes and says, not only after you fear God, but you have to have reference to Tamid Achamim as well. So you see, when it says Et Hashem, the Et includes who Tamid Achamim. How does Kiryat Shema start? The Ahavta, Et Hashem. Oh, who is the Et Hashem coming, including? Tamid Achamim. So Parashari Shona, it says, Ve'avta, Et Hashem. You want to hear something beautiful? You remember when Rivka was pregnant? I know you don't remember it, but from the Torah you remember it. When she was pregnant and she was having a hard time. So it says, et Adonai. She went to get counsel from Hashem. So what does Hashem say? She went to the rabbi, Shem Ever to get a beracha. How did Hashem know she went to the rabbis? It says she went to Hashem. Because the pasuk says, et Hashem. Et is coming to include Tamidi Hakamim. It doesn't say, Hashem. So when it says, Who are we talking about? Those they love God on every level. Even They're willing to even give up the luxuries and the monetary benefits of life in order to sit and study Torah all day long. In the singular tense, because they are minority. Now what about everybody else? Bourgeoisie, what about the, uh, the rest of the folk? Now we get to Parashat Shiniyah. You know Parashat Shiniyah is talking to? Rabbi Ishmael. Work and learn. That's why the Parashat is written in plural. Because the majority of the people have to follow the second Parashat of Kiryat Shema. And you know what the Pasuk is saying? Go to the farm and go collect the wheat and collect the grapes and collect the olives. Take your animals, feed them grass, pray for rain. You're talking about a guy who's going to work. But the Pasuk says, but don't worry, don't forget to learn Torah. But you could couple Torah and Abu Dhabi together. Oh. Is the one that goes to work willing to make the sacrifice to give up his money? He's not. <laughs> He's not like the first guy. This guy wants money. He likes money. Nothing wrong. He wants to enjoy life a little. He's not up to that level to say, I could live in a very, very... Uh, austere manner and in a very modest and I don't need too much he said I need too much I need a lot and therefore I said I'll serve God with all my heart and I'll even give him my life but I'm not giving him the money I gotta go to work and make money that's why the pasuk says Un ovdo bechol 
But the people in the second parasha in Kiryat Shema are not on the level to give up Bechol Me'odechem. That much they won't give. They want money. They want a good life, nothing wrong. We're not speaking down on them. The fact that it's not written Bechol Me'odechem in the second parasha tells us that they're not yet ready to make that sacrifice. Whereas in Parashari Shona, the Tamin Akam is ready to make the sacrifice of Ubchol Me'odecha. But he's one in a million. How many people can make such a sacrifice? When he started to study Torah, they say he used to give the Shi'ud, and they would bring him a, a cup of coffee during the Shi'ud. He said, No, I can't drink the coffee. They said, Why not? He said, Bring me, if they have hot chocolate. Hey, hot chocolate? They told this is fancy over hot chocolate. He said, No, because the coffee makes me hungry, and I don't have any food at home. So therefore, I cannot go to sleep on hungry. But the hot chocolate at least fills me up. This is, uh, this is my dinner. I come home, I can go to sleep. Learn to at least. He didn't have money for, for coffee. He didn't have money for food. But what? He put it, just imagine we would lose, imagine we would lose this great. And this is a great lesson for us. I'll conclude with a yesod that I think is beneficial for our community. You understand Be'avta? Be'avta is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and Be'ayah shows Rabbi Ishmael. I could say it in our language. Be'avta is the kolel guy and Be'ayah is the businessman. It's as simple as that. We're not having to go so, so complicated. Now you understand my language? And if you look at the way that it's, and that's why the Sidur, you got, and this, you have to put them next to each other. We're talking about our children now. But we have, we, we, by the way, in the shul, you got both of these guys sitting in shul. Yeah, the guy with the black hat and the guy with the uh, attache case running to catch the train to go to work. They were sitting with each other. To my right is Ve'afta, to my left is Ve'ayah. They make the minyan. In the Sidur, they both are back to back because they represent these two groups. But I would like to just say one more item in the remaining two minutes that I have that I think explains to me at least, explains to me at least the blessing of our community. We have a blessed community here. Whether you see it or not, we take it for granted because we're living in it. So therefore we assume if we live like this, everybody lives like this. But it's not the case. There's definitely bracha. Just the way we were able to come to a place like this in the summer. All of us as a community. Majority of us, a lot of us. No, no, no one has this in the world. I go to Panama, I go to Mexico, I go to LA, Canada. Not, not that they don't have the money or you have the money. They don't have, it's not built like us. It's not built like, but a blessing. The infrastructure that we have in our community, the yeshivot, solid. The ticket is yot, solid. The rabbis, look at the rasta rabbis, solid. The people, the tzedakot, I mean, there's definitely the protection that Hashem gives our community. There's protection. Hashem Shumen Israel, the protection. With all the crazy, there's a protection. So you start to wonder how do we get this beracha? We're a good people, we're a good people. We're very good people. We have our quirks, but we're good people by and large. And by and large, it's a united community. By and large. And we walk into the store, we say hello to everybody. We know everybody. We're in the restaurant, oh, shalom alaykum, how you doing, how you doing? I don't know we kiss everybody, hug everybody. It's a community. We all get together, everybody gets along with each other, more or less. Okay, everybody has their people they don't talk to, but as a general rule, it's a community. It's, a, well, it's united. We're all here. There's a rabbi called Meir Ene Hachamim. Meir Ene Hachamim says, tremendous principle. I made a copy of it so I can see it inside. And he writes, he says something amazing. He said, we have a rule. And he brings it. I'm not going to prove it to you where he brings it from. You don't get reward for your mitzvot in this world. You've heard that? Where's the reward? 
next word. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. It's delayed payment. And the check is in the mail. You can trust God. When somebody tells you the check is in the mail, don't trust them. But when God says the check is in the mail, you can trust him. He's going to pay you with interest. It's the end of this week's parasha. It says, Today we do, tomorrow we get paid. <coughs> Very nice. Says the Rav, He bases it on a rabbi called the Maharsha. That when is their deferred payment? That's when individuals are doing things alone. But when you do things as a community, now it's the group that's doing a mitzvah, there's already reward in this world. Hear what he just said? To me this was an eye-opener. You're telling me that when we come as a kahal, and we pray together as a kahal, and we travel together as a kahal, and we go eat together, and we're all together, and we go, we have, all, we have functions all together, everybody's going to each other's parties, and there they are again, they're getting together again, every two seconds, another place where the series get together, the people get together, all day long, we're getting together, this go today over here, tomorrow over there. But Allah says, these are people over here that are not doing mitzvot in a vacuum, they're doing mitzvot as a group. <laughs> You know what he says? The berachah comes in this world as well. That's, the, that's what I think the, the secret of the blessing of, of our people is. It's the fact that we're doing it as a community. How many times do they talk about that word? The community is doing this, community is doing this. We're doing it as an entity. It's a different level. With this he explains the perashah. The first perashah is talking about what? An individual, the aftah. He's doing mitzvot, but he's alone. Where's his reward? So you know what the rabbi says? <laughs> Very hard for him to give up his money. Because if he gives up his money, he's not getting it back. <laughs> so that's why in the first parasha it says, this guy will be, it's a big sacrifice to give up all his money. Because if he gives up all his money, he's giving up his olam and he's not getting his reward till the next word. Therefore, the first parasha says, wow, an individual to give up all his money? Ho oh, oh, ho, that's a big thing. But in the second parasha, where it's talking about, with the people, it's not such a big thing for him to give up money. Why? Because he's going to get it back. Because he's going to get it, whatever he gives is going to come back to him. So the Torah is going to say, what? If the community is serving God, and they're even willing to give up their money, of course, why shouldn't they? They're going to give one, they're going to get back ten. Who wouldn't give back, they'll give their money to God? Who wouldn't give tzedakah? And you see it in our community. In our community, the more our community gives, and the more the community spends, and the more the community builds, everybody's wondering, oh, we gave everything away, what's going to happen now? God sends down another truckload from heaven, another beracha. So we could go further and build more and do. And boys, we're gonna run out of money one day. We're gonna run out of money. The sakhar is in Olam So no matter how much you spend, it's always gonna. So in the second perasha, it's not a sacrifice to give up your money. Because already we're getting reward for our actions in this world. So when somebody goes, Wow, how do you give? So the more I give, the more I get. Even the first guy you mentioned, yeah, when he gives, it might not come back to him. So the first guy in the first parasha, his giving is a, it's a sacrifice to him. Because he doesn't expect to get anything back, because he's alone, he's after. But in the second parasha, it's glorious, you know, he things together. And therefore, no need to say, because it's really not such a compliment of sort for him to give, because he knows whatever he gives, is going to come right back to him. So therefore, ladies, we said three Wonderful explanations. I repeat quickly. Novominska said the difference between Parasha 1 and Parasha 2 is when they were given. Parasha 1 is very religious, very esoteric, very ulamaba, because it was given right after Matan Torah. No mention of Ulamazeh, no mention of anything. Yeah, the Jews in that generation give up all your money with me, money means nothing to me. In Vehaya is in next week's Parasha, that's after Heta Egel. After Heta Egel, go to work, get to the field. Now, nobody wants to give up their money anymore. We fell on a lower level. Parashari Shona is singular, because at Matan Torah we were one. After Hatta we were divided. 
the connection between both parashot and the Sidur is what Rav Chaim Balazhan said. Parashat Rishonah is talking about the learner. And Parashat Shinyah is talking about the earner. And both of them are considered legitimate. Only the workaholic is not accepted as one of the career choices of life. And the third explanation of Me'ida Nechachamim, the first parasha is talking about an individual that serves God. He has to wait. Therefore, for him to give his money is a big sacrifice because he's not getting it back necessarily. But the second parasha is talking about our community. That we're serving God as a unit, as a cohesive unit. I can't wait to give them the reward in the next world. They're going to get the reward in this world. So there for them, no need to mention because it's easy to give when you know you're living in blessing. And you know that whatever you're going to give out, it's only going to come back to you. And all these things that I said will come easy to us because Ve'ahavta is the same letters as Ha'avot. Okay, so. Thank you.